This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series, Ulysses at 100, Lessons for the 21st Century Compliance Professional from one of the greatest books of the 20th century. Matt Kelly once challenged me to write a blog post for Bloomsday. He was well aware of my great love for James Joyce's magnum opus, so I accepted the challenge. This year is the 100th anniversary of the publication of Ulysses. To celebrate this event, Joyce and Compliance, I've decided to do a five-part podcast series on Ulysses. Over this podcast series, I will highlight some of the book and commentary that tie Joyce, Dublin, Leopold Bloom, and his wife Molly together with Stephen Dadalus and what they can teach the modern compliance profession. I hope you'll join me in this short celebration and trip through Dublin, 1904, in this 100th anniversary of Bloomsday. In part one, why does Joyce still matter? 100 years later, why does Ulysses still matter? This was one of the greatest works of 20th century fiction, and the controversies it provoked still exist today. Joyce's novel reconstructs, in modern terms, a journey of an ancient king, an epic poem, of course, Homer's Odyssey. It also explains the structure, rather, of the wanderings of Leopold Bloom through the city of Dublin on Bloomsday, June 16, 1904. While showing his wanderings and his homecoming reenact the story of Homer's hero, um, there are also others who are involved, Stephen Dedalus and Bloom's wife, Molly, whose adulterous twist on the afternoon of Bloom's day uh, adds a poignancy and intricateness that the novel, even to that point, had not yet had. The novel itself is difficult, controversial, and very important. It does seem intimidating, uh, T.S. Eliot called it an important expression, which the present age has not found because it established the myth, mystical, mythical method. Joyce rewrites Homer's Odysseys in one day, June 16, 1904, Bloomsday. Stephen, the hero of Joyce's earlier novel, Portrait of an Artist as a Young Man, is Joyce's fictional younger self, brilliant, witty, brooding, bilibus, and complicated to the point of self-contradiction he wants to make his name as a writer. Leopold Bloom corresponds to Ulysses, the wandering hero, as a fascinating anomaly. Though he's descended from Hungarian Jews, he does not practice Judaism. And though he does not practice Judaism nor associate with Jews, in Ireland he is regarded as Jewish by everyone he meets and is sometimes subjected to virulent anti-Semitism. Uh, that makes him really the ultimate outsider. He's not a Jew, and he's not an Irishman. So we view life through his lens of this truly outsider. He's haunted by the memory of his father, who committed suicide, and of his dead infant son. He's intellectually curious and keenly interested in books, but he also loves to eat and satisfy the needs of the body. And of course, Molly Bloom, his wife. She reveals herself in the final chapter of the book with an incredibly uninhibited monologue that proves to be a bundle of contradictions and indeed was the uh, issue around 
whether the book was going to be banned or not. The key of Bloom's wanderings through Dublin is Homer's Odyssey. In the Odyssey, uh, Homer's told the story of how uh, Ulysses returned to Ithaca after he masterminded the destruction of Troy, because remember, it was Ulysses who thought up the Trojan horse. So uh, we have the mastermind of the destruction of Troy uh, because of the rape and pillage that his the Greek soldiers engaged in, most uh, particularly around the temple in Troy. They were uh, banished to wander for 20 years, and indeed at the end of the day, all of uh, the Greek sailors with Ulysses die uh, before they get back to Greece after their 20 years of wandering, and it's only Ulysses himself. On his adventure, he's detained by beautiful women, has lots of adventures, but he wants to get home to his son Timelicus and his supremely faithful wife Penelope. During his absence, Penelope is beset with suitors, pressing to marry her and devouring her food, while Timelicus is powerless to act against them. Ulysses uh, leaves or meets the nymph Calypso, and he uh, eventually gets back to Ithaca, reveals himself to Telemachus and a uh, trusted servant. He enters his house disguised as a beggar, kills the suitors, retakes his house, and is reunited with Penelope. These three main characters uh, really uh, talk to us about uh, one complete man because Joyce conceives it as a complete man, a man of many turns. So for Ulysses, a son, a father, a husband, as well as the king of Ithaca. Uh, And he is well-mannered, but he also invented the tank, which of course stands in for the wooden horse. Bloom is a pacifist who scarcely has ever been to sea and nothing uh, like royal, royal power. We see how his wanderings and his homecoming at the end reenact the story of Ulysses. And finally, Stephen and Molly raise a question about their own Homeric roles. If Stephen Dadalus has no wish to see his biological father, can he stand in for Ulysses' devoted son, Timelicus? If Molly had a lover in her own bed on Bloomsday, how can she be the faithful Penelope? So lots of questions. Um, it's beautifully written. Uh, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, I'm not going to take up the individual chapters uh, except when I get to uh, the final uh, podcast in this series, or at least the podcast on Molly Bloom, because I think um, there are too many stories to tell, and I'm going to focus on the individual characters and some of their key traits going forward. I hope you will join me in this exploration of Ulysses. I think he's just as relevant today as he was 100 years ago in 1922 when the book was originally published. Uh, It's also an interesting commentary on Irish political history, if you're interested in that, because Joyce and his father were uh, Parnellites who supported home rule in the 1880s and 1890s. Their hopes were dashed, and then home rule, of course, was passed in 1914, but was put on hold because of World War I, and 
then uh, the Irish revolted on the IRB, revolted on Easter Sunday, 1916, and that led to the conflict between England and Ireland, and eventually the creation of the Irish Free State. So a lot to unpack here, lots of interesting stories, and most importantly, or perhaps most interestingly, I'm going to give lots of leadership lessons and some compliance lessons that I think are important around uh, this book. I'm going to leave you with one compliance lesson today. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously curious. And hopefully you're engaged with this podcast. Well, I'd ask you to consider both of those two traits in your compliance training, engagement and curiosity. If you can tell a good story, uh, whether it's from uh, James Joyce or whether it's from Homer, you may uh, find that people are much more engaged because if you can write a book in 2022 that draws directly from uh, 12th or 13th century Greece, uh, so that's 3,500 years uh, or 3,300 years of history, and it's still as powerful, uh, that may speak to the trope of storytelling and the traveler that is in all of us. So think about some of these sorts of things as we explore uh, James Joyce, as we explore Ulysses, as we explore Bloomsday 1904 here in 2022. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ulysses at 100, Lessons for the Compliance Professional. I hope you will join me tomorrow for another episode in this series. But more importantly, I hope you will take a look at James Joyce's work, Ulysses. If you happen to be a Ulysses lover like I am, uh, I wish you would post a comment in uh, either iTunes or on uh, a Compliance Podcast Network or Megaphone or wherever you listen to this. Or contact me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I'd like to explore your love of Ulysses and perhaps have you on a podcast to talk about what it means to you. We're going to be taking a look at this from compliance and leadership angles. So I hope you will join me for another episode of Ulysses at 100.